This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Proxima and beyond. I guess you could say the podcast is starting approximately soon. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then, every now and then we act like special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. This is one of our uh, something completely different episodes where we uh, we don't have like a main movie of the week that we're talking about. We've all seen some stuff, and we all have one movie that we share as far as the stuff that we've seen. So that was that's kind of the idea today. We're going to talk about... Um, the film Proxima, which is currently on VOD, and there's some other things between the three of us that are here that we'll kind of go over uh, for a bit of a free-for-all as we uh, launch into November. Free-for-all? Mm-hmm. We're going to fight to the death? Yeah, I have I have my my staff with two blades at the end. <laughs> I'm just doing the I'm just doing the song from uh, Cable Guy that, that Jim Carrey does. The, the Star Trek thing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but joining us for this episode, we have from Lenoir Artur, he was just about ready to leave this planet himself. It's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> I sure was. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Although, having watched Mars, that Nat Geo uh-huh. sort of like docu- docu-narrative series, I truly have no faith that humanity will ever be sustainable off-planet. <laughs> it's just, it's, Earth, Earth has just the perfect ingredients to make life for humans, but literally the second you get off of this planet it's like everything about where you are moving is going to try and kill you <laughs> and so and if that doesn't work then you know busting your face shield and getting sucked out like arnold that'd be awful <laughs> they got the air back i mean yeah they, they did i just go back in that's how it works <laughs> as long it's... as you get something like the space balls parry air uh stuff it, it's fine. that too yeah that it's it's very similar just it's, it's, either, <laughs> it's either dick van patten and space balls or arnold's the eyes getting sucked out in total recall but they it all reverts back to normal it's like a werewolf i've been watching a lot of werewolf movies it's like a werewolf where oh. they transform and then it's like okay but now their nose is all big and their ears extended and the claw like it just goes back you know, you know what makes it? more sense about werewolves versus like uh the hulk you know, the clothes don't come back for werewolves. Sure, but, like, their whole body morphed, and it just kind of goes back, right? Is that... Like, yeah, Terrence, yeah. Terrence, you're a teen wolf guy. Like, did they explore <laughs> that on the show at all? Like, the um, nose just changes backwards? <laughs> well, on that show, they have different types of shifts. So, oh. like, oh, mainly what you see is, like, a... a <laughs> yes, to give you a history of, of, of werewolves. Uh, is like, a beta shift. So, beta shift is where you have, like, claws, like, your face changes... And then you just sort of gain the abilities of a wolf versus um, uh-huh. maybe full shift. Full shifting on Teen Wolf was like a really, really rare thing versus like on True Blood, like the werewolves turn just fully turn into actual wolves. Yeah. Or Hemlock Grove, it's like the wolves emerge yeah. from the person. They like burst they, out of, un, from underneath their skin. It's then they like gross. eat their remains, and then they like the person then crawls back out of. It, Hemlock Grove was a raggedy show. But... Yeah, like, like Van, Van, Van Helsing did it similar, where it's like you just yeah. you just burst out of the skin and then you burst back out of that skin, which is like, all right, oh, wow. that's that's something. Wait, yeah. how do you how do you choose to burst back? Do you choose to burst back into being a 
a human or is it just like okay well i guess the full moon is dead what always so, got me about where this is such a fun tangent what always got me about the werewolf <laughs> stuff is like the really cheesy ones where it's like the full moon's out and then it's like oh there's clouds in the way so now he turns back all of a sudden <laughs> right <laughs> as yeah. if that's how that's how that goes if i can't well, see yeah. the full moon <laughs> it's okay yeah. <laughs> to be fair the power of the full moon is just not there unless like you know it's super clear right <laughs> Yeah, that's that's just that's can't the... see the light, Aaron, unless the clouds are out of the way. But yeah, I've seen that on like some cartoons and some comedy things too. That, that'd be like the ocean being like, well, the tide can go back out now. The moon's different. Like, it's like <laughs> you, you can't see it right now. <laughs> you think that's how Steve Buscemi was in Hubie Halloween? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Buscemi is in Hubie Halloween. He is. Are you asking he... if Steve Buscemi's in an Adam Sandler movie? Because I have several Adam Sandler movies to show you. <laughs> oh yeah, please w- w- name them. <laughs> name them. Big no, Daddy, no. Grown Ups, Grown Ups Two, probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. Billy I didn't, Madison. Watch be Halloween, so I wouldn't know. I, I mean, <laughs> if there's a new Sandler movie, I just assume Steve Buscemi's in it. That's how that goes for me. Interesting. Mm. Well, you know, everybody needs to pay their rent, so I don't this regret him. Well, this has been Wolfman and Sand Chat. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get back to the uh, the main show here. <laughs> Where what are we doing? We're talking. We're t- we're gonna talk about Proxima and other movies, but let's get to some. Uh, some show notes real quick. First up, it is a uh, new month. Uh, Oof. <laughs> yeah, Already. A lot, a lot of new things have been happening. Um, but that also means that there's going to be a new commentary track. We're still deciding on what we're going to plan on doing this month, although there's some cool ideas out there as far as films that are ser- celebrating certain anniversaries. Um, mm. So just stay tuned. But currently, you can find our most recent commentary track uh, for Psycho, uh, which was a lot of fun to record. That's up on iTunes, where all of our shows are. And speaking of which, you can find... You can not only find all our episodes on iTunes, but you can also give us a rating or review by searching for Out Now Thursday and uh, give us a star rating and writing uh, maybe a sentence or two. Yeah, Thomas, thanks for giving us five stars, Thomas. But yeah, always welcome to get more of those. And what else? You know, I didn't look. No, I know what came out was supposed to come out this week. <laughs> this is what yeah. let's do. Our, let's do our thing here. What what we would have talked about this week were things not to have changed given the horrible circumstances that have plagued us all year. This is where I go over the film that would have come out this week were things not to have changed in this post-Bloodshot era. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, the film that would have arrived this week originally, 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 was Eternals. Wow. Marvel's, Marvel's Eternals uh, would have been the original movie. That is wow. The, yeah. That is the, I know. Yeah. We're like, already at that part, that time of the year, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is the... You know, the I was like Black Widow, but no, this was no, like before the date that. The Black Widow would have moved to. So yeah, yeah it is Eternals. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Eternals would have come out this week originally, and it's the. Um, I mean, I don't know. T- I mean, I'm sure you probably know more about Eternals than I do, Terrence. But I mean, it's 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 the um, the upcoming uh, MCU film uh, directed by uh, um, uh, Chloe Zhao. Yeah. Yes, and um, it makes me very excited for it. And it, it stars among other people. Uh, Super Jack Camille Nanjiani, Richard Madden from Game of Thrones, Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, uh, Don Lee, the bruiser from Train to Busan, who's really cool, um, and Angelina Jolie, of course. Uh, so you have a, a yes. stacked cast here. You have an acclaimed indie filmmaker, and you're putting them into space for something. And um, mm-hmm. I, I assume that would be fun to watch. Uh, Terrence, were you excited for? Are you excited for Eternals? Um, it was the only Marvel movie that was supposed to come out this year that I actually was interested in because of the cast. You know, my queen, Angelina, is in it. And some other, you, you have Kate Harrington and also Gemma Chan um, are also in it. Um, Gemma Chan, who's then, in Captain Marvel as a different character, right? Yeah. They don't do that often. 
No, they they rarely do that if ever. The one I can think of is is um, Alfred Woodard, who's in like Civil War for like a hot minute, and then is in um, um, yeah uh, Luke Cage. Or like Mahershala, sort of going the opposite way. He's oh yeah, because yeah, because he's going to be in Blade. Luke right? Cage, and he's going to be in Blade. And he was in Luke um, Cage. Luke Cage apparently is the place to go for these discrepancies. The breeding ground, yeah. Because <laughs> that show was not good. Um, I like Luke Cage. It, it just was not good. Go on uh, about Eternals. <laughs> Eternals, yeah. I mean, then I read that like she did a long interview with the Hollywood Reporter, um, like a month ago, and was talking about filming Eternals and like how Marvel let her sort of use her same process of how she shoots her indie movies with Marvel and that there's apparently like a Bollywood dance number. Huh. And you know, and you know, I have a theory about how like 96.3% of the time a movie contains a musical number or a dance sequence is going to be good. So my calculations I, are generally 94.7. So, I mean, I'm yeah, like you're you a little very precise in yeah. your calculations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it fluctuates. It, it used to be at like, 93.2 you know but it has gone up in recent uh times but i just because i really don't have knowledge of like who the eternals are as characters so i i want that knowledge and also it's just like it just seems like a wild collection of people like this yes is, i know that i know that the mcu has had a lot of oscar nominees and winners as as has the dc extended universe but like this group of people <laughs> like it's like a like that's a wild cast assembly. Because well, I can't I can't tell you what that movie is. Like if you tell me you have Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Redford, among others, and Winter Soldier, I'm like, okay, yeah. So it's like a spy action. I get that. Yeah. I don't know what a movie that is. Jolie, Madden, Nanjiani, Henry, Hayek. Like I don't know what that movie's supposed to be offhand. Yeah, and your and Lauren Ridloff, I think, who's playing the first disabled superhero. Oh yeah, she's she's that's deaf. That? Yeah, she's she's a yeah yeah um our first non-abled bodied person i guess you is the correct way to say that um i'm looking forward to it when we see it you know in 2026 um <laughs> that's so far away so I'm so sad by that yeah i it it, it really was like cause I, I don't care about black widow um but this is a movie it's like okay what is you know we've we've moved past you know the big avengers mm-hmm. and so now it's like what is going to come next out of this movie series that needs to continue to be successful because it's sort of like Disney doesn't need, you know, Disney can make it another line of Elsa dolls and, and make back the budget of one of these movies. But like the studio itself, it's like, how are you going to continue keeping our interest going forward now that like you had your big culmination movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a larger discussion as far as where things go with Marvel, but for yeah. the time being, yes, it is. It does. You will kind of have to see what happens as far as how their plotting goes to set up any kind of new arcs, which I'm not even sure will happen until a more notable member of the Avengers has their next movie that's also still alive. A, Thor. Yeah, Thor right. or, or right. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, mm-hmm. That's I'm always fun to, to say. I put emphasis on any any syllable of that phrase, and it's always good. Uh, Abe, you're a huge fan of the writer, and you're looking forward to Nomadland. Are you looking forward to the Eternals? Yeah, I, I am looking forward to the Eternals. Am was uh, looking forward to the Eternals um, for the director, but also like we were saying, the, this this great cast that everybody has. But also toward what you guys were uh, or what Tyler was touching on at the end there, just where does the Marvel Cinematic Universe go from here? Um, 
I would have been curious. I know that they were probably more focused on maybe like some space type stuff because now we've got Thor teaming up with um, uh, Guardians. the Guardians. And, you know, I, I would have been curious to see what they are going to do. Um, besides that, like the trailer looks or I'm sorry, the poster looks great uh, and it's very regal looking to some degree. And so I would have been super curious to see what, what happens here. Plus, you know, for some reason, I also feel bad for premieres and, and you know, having to stay in shape for premieres. So I know that Daniel Craig has said that he hates kind of getting in shape for Bond. But I was just like, you know, can we just give Kamal like a break? Because he's still got to stay in shape. You, you know, they, I, lo- I know, you know they love escape. the attention. They can cry in interviews all they want. So you know they love that attention. Know, Every, all know, of them. Even Hugh, well, like even even Craig. humble Hugh Jackman, I'm sure all of them like that attention. Uh, but yeah, Eternals, the Eternals, they they drop the V, right? Yeah, it's cleaner. Uh, yeah, Eternals. cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> so Eternals, I would have been very curious to see, and especially like during this time of year, like November, um, I would have been like, oh wow, they're they're really holding onto their uh, their aces, uh, and they're gonna let them fly it toward the end of the year, huh? So would have been curious. Yeah, but no, they didn't. They're going to wait a whole year. Um, <laughs> they they got money on the table and they're gonna you know wait to claim it. Yeah, uh, all red. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys have talked about everything already. There's nothing really to add here. But yes, I mean, there's a, a very large and strong cast. You have. And I actually want to just sorry to interrupt. What, what's that noise? <laughs> there are um, crickets in the background. I have oh, fed my oh. tarantula. In the speaker. background. In the yeah, in the background. Um, they're not close to the mic. They're not, yeah, they're not, you know, they're not rubbing the wires together to keep this thing going, <laughs> uh, which is how we run the show, obviously. No, they're, my, I fed, I fed Professor Dent some crickets, so, so they're just being active at this moment because they're getting very excited about hearing Camille and Johnny's name being spoken so often. <laughs> they're big fans. Huh? They, they love the big sick. <laughs> so did I. Wow, we have something in common. Yeah, you and the bugs. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I, the movie, I mean, we've seen nothing from it really beyond, hey, they had a Comic-Con panel a year ago, so that's, you know, good for them, and uh, look forward to yeah. whatever uh, comes out from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eternals does come out uh, literally a year from now, November 5th, 2021, um, so we'll just be on the, uh, on the lookout for that. All right, so we're going to get into a number of reviews here, but first up, we're going to talk about Proxima, a film that we've all seen, so let's hear a little bit of that trailer. Cinq, quatre, trois, deux, un. I never thought that one day I'd be saying the last mission before Mars, and yet here we are making last preparations for the long journey. Aye, aye, Captain. Tu savais que ta maman allait partir un jour. Ça te fait très peur, un peu peur. Un peu peur. All right, that should have been some of the trailer for Proxima. This film stars Ava Green as Sarah, a French astronaut who has been chosen to be a part of a year-long mission to Mars. To do this, she'll be leaving behind her eight-year-old daughter, and the film revolves around her efforts to prepare for this mission, while reckoning with the separation from her child, along with the dismissive nature of the rest of her team, particularly Matt Dillon's Mike, the mission's commander. Terrence, we've recently seen the show Away, starring Hilary mm-hmm. Swank, which also features a female astronaut being on a mission contending with the absence from her family while dealing with the rest of the crew around her, which was canceled after uh, <laughs> not too long after its premiere. 
What, yeah. what did Proxima it's have to offer you as a feature film take in a similar realm? Um, well, it's funny because we, when you when you text me, you were like, this is a movie about people handling all of their business before they get on the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Away is a show about a group of people who needed to be in deep group counseling before they even set foot on the rocket um, because all of their problems happen in space. And it's awful. Um, <laughs> I think with Proxima, oh, this is so hard to think about. Because I, I think the movie is fine. I think that the movie really sort of keys in on a particular type of, of separation. I think it, what it gets to that I don't think Away did is like this grant, like being with a person who is like really having to reckon with like this excitement in their career versus like having to raise a child. And in a, in a way her kid is a little older, but in, in Proxima her, her kid is much younger. She's sort of separated from her husband. The kid isn't good at math, but he, you know, got two, you know, a, a, like a physicist and an astronaut in the family. And so it's all of these interesting hum, human complications. Um, and I think Ava, Ava Green or Eva Green? Yeah, I've, I've gone with Eva. Eva Green right. um, is very good in this movie. I do, I think, I love anything relating to space. Um, mm-hmm. I watch anything relating to space. I think there was like some missed opportunities here in this movie because this movie is so much more grounded um, than a way, like a way it was like literally these hoes started mutinying against their commander did you say these hoes yes uh like episode one um wow they go fast huh so this this one is much more grounded in terms of how it looks but i think even even with her relationship with with mike who's the mission commander played by matt Dillon, i was looking for more of a conversation of like he's also leaving his children behind Mm -hmm. but it's like fine for him to do that you know because he's a man i guess and so i thought and was kind of wishing to like understand like the movie does really well to like address some of the unique things that like a woman going into space would face just you know biologically but then when it came to like the kids and the family i was like oh so now we're going back to sort of the cliches about like a woman wondering if she can have it all and that's where I, I wanted something a little stronger. But I think this is better than a way because it's like, oh, people, you know, getting through it before getting on this, you know, millions of tons of explosives, as they say in this movie. <laughs> Abe, how about you? Where are you with uh, Proxima? You know, Proxima is a very interesting movie because I agree completely with what Terrence is saying about the dynamic of what they're trying to convey in this movie. Um, I think that is a strong dynamic of the mother and daughter relationship. That's probably the best thing about this movie um, in terms of like the, the characters that you see on the screen. Sure. To be honest, I think that, you know, as the movie goes along, you start realizing that that's kind of what the director, Alice uh, Win- Winnicore, um is trying to get across. Right. It's it's about this mother having like what Terrence was saying to not really choose between what she wants to do and how she wants to live her life. More of just like, hey, I have ambitions and I have my own life too, and we're divorced, and you know, 
can you help me out here? Because I'm trying to fucking get my career going. You know what I mean? This is something I've dreamed about my whole my whole life. And so um, to balance those two, I think that that's, um, you know, definitely at the heart of this movie. Uh, where it doesn't really work for me is, yeah, there's these other relationships within the movie as well. And these characters within the movie that don't really get fleshed out. They, they also don't really have great dialogue. Um, I think that a lot of it, uh, a lot of like the, the husband stuff is OK. Um, a lot of the stuff that you get more of is the Matt Dillon character, which Aaron referenced like early on being maybe he's kind of like this hard nose, like commander uh, maybe like with, with a soft spot as well. Um, he's kind of like mm. um, really sexist. Uh, yes, super sexist, but also like I was gonna say like outwardly very like hawkish, um, but inwardly like when you break down all the barriers, he's just like this dude who's just like is also unsure of himself, which they don't really explore. They kind of just give you like one snippet of that, but when you first meet him, he's such a dick and like. On a national, on an international stage too, he's such a dick, and you're like, yeah, I, I clearly don't like this guy. And I honestly was throughout the whole entire movie, I was like, I hope that I don't get to like this guy. And you know, it maybe changes a little bit, but not too much. And I'm like, he's still somebody I don't really root for. But I'm glad that they didn't like explore that further, I suppose. But this gave me a lot of like Gattaca vibes too, in that you know, mm-hmm. there's like this nice speech that he gives at the end there of like. If if we were made from the stars, then are we really, you know, we shouldn't feel as though we're we're in, um, leaving the planet. We're kind of just going home, um, and mm. that kind of uh, made me feel like that way too. But also a lot of the training stuff um, that goes on in this movie. Um, so I was rooting for for Eva Green, Ava, Eva. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know what really makes me like this movie a lot, like in terms of this aspect, is how she's balancing all of that, right? Because she's our main player. And then when you add the daughter in there, the daughter really starts to grow on on me, or she started to grow on me, because I was like, oh, I really I, I really like this actress. You know, they, they got, like, this kid who is playing a kid, but also it feels very natural. As though, like, I kept on looking at the expressions on Eva's face um, when they were interacting together, just to kind of try and see about, like, wow, she, she really into like this uh this other this kid actor as well um and it seems as though she was and there's a lot of great uh moments of them being together but i think the the best stuff about it is the tension right i mean there's like this part where she describes um time away um and how that's going to be affecting how that's going to be affecting like their lives um and how it's going to be more specifically affecting her life so it started to get me with like the like interstellar type thing but all that being said, like I think it's a it's an okay movie. Like it's it didn't blow me away, but I think if they had focused on maybe like a few, actually they don't really they don't even have that many characters. I guess maybe if you you excise maybe like the Wendy character, um, or reduce her role because it feels like it's it's uh, territorial to some degree. Um, I think it's a stronger movie, but um, overall like it is very fascinating. I I really liked the montage at the end because like that's that's where the heart of this movie was um so it was uh it was good to see and i did get strangely emotional toward the end there um as the kid was reciting like i understood what she was reciting because they had brought it up earlier i uh i don't think it's strange i think it, it just earns those beats because you're 
both right the i mean the mother-daughter aspect of this film which is obviously a big focus of it i mean it's the poster of this movie like that's the strongest elements and it mm-hmm. comes it comes from both the performance of green and the young actress that plays her daughter um that stuff's really strong and it works and it resonates in the right kind of ways because it's a story worth telling in that regard and it i mean yeah and the, the, no doubt the montage that works is just showing like this is a story of fiction, but it's not as though there haven't been many female astronauts. Right. Um, that in mind, to, to touch on, before I get back to other things, to touch on Matt Dillon really quick, like, despite certain movies, I think this is just another example that continues to prove that even when he's, you know, playing unsavorable characters, and I wouldn't necessarily say he's entirely terrible, he's just kind of like a dick. He's very good. Like I, I really, <laughs> I, I really like Matt Dillon. I like, I think he's constantly underrated as a performer. So it's like, it sucks that like some of the movies he's in that are more notable are, you know, and I'm mainly talking about Crash are just not given the best regard. But like, he's very consistently good in things, which I always, uh, I always note. Um, that said, as far as this movie goes, like I, I'm pretty there, right there with you guys. I think the movie's strong enough without being uh, great. Um, and that comes from mainly, you know, Green's before, like, it's a very strong performance. It's the, you know, it's the main aspect of this movie and it works better than, you know, the sum of its parts. Uh, that said, I really like films that are able to take per- small personal stories and juxtapose them with like massive things. Uh, right. so something like this, where it's like, it's not just that she's a mother that has to go take a new job. It's she has to leave the planet. Like that's it's like that's such an I, I love that kind of like metaphorical thing that you're taking on uh, something like, um, I don't know, uh, melancholia, where it's not just like a woman having difficulties with her marriage. It's the planet is going to collide with another planet. <laughs> it's just like the, the well, most, that's what that movie's about. the most extreme things happening. Like that's always very fun to me. And I think that taps into why I'm really forgiving of certain um, disaster movies. <laughs> it's like the, the weight of the world is literally on their shoulders to some degree um so seeing this movie and realizing pretty early on it's like oh so we're never going to go to space we're just going to see them build up to it i'm thinking okay i Mm -hmm. i'm into that because i like that the the stakes are i i the the eventuality is i'm not going to be on this earth anymore so i need to see what that work's going to do to build up to that point and i think it does a really good job of showing that the stress of being in this position and dealing with the various things going on around her. That said, you're not wrong, Terrence, as far as the, it feel it feels somewhat limiting uh, to have only Green's perspective, even though, yes, yeah, she's the star of the movie, as far as what she's giving up in this process when you have other characters that are introduced and have lives of their own, and they're all male, and you're thinking... So what's the messaging here? I mean, like, it's, it, yeah. it's it's only her problem? Like, that's... I get that that's the focus of the movie, and it's a significant problem to put on display, but it feels like it's... It feels like the theme is getting in the way of better storytelling, I guess, or better better structure to, yeah. to help balance it all out. Because I think it, it it is... This is a... a I'm, I'm trying to give the movie grace because I feel like this is a struggle that's unique to women. You know, particularly, like her character it's like she's separated from her husband who gets the the kid at certain times of the year um and you know she's been raising her daughter and she's about to achieve this goal and now it's like okay so now i have to turn our child back over to the guy who hasn't been there every day and and i can see how that would weigh on her and and how that would like it's not even just like oh i guess with matt dylan's character and like his wife it's like you know they're like a united front 
and they've been together. So it's like, okay, I can leave my kids in capable hands. Um, but I don't think, but I still am like, okay, so like what, but what am I really supposed to get from this that is anything different sort of than any other sort of working woman movie? And I would have appreciated more of a look at like, even if it was just a scene of just a little bit more of, of what the other astronauts were giving up or how the people around them felt about them giving it up. Right. Yeah. And, and basically I, I think that there's, um, you know, I, I thought about uh, first man with this movie as well. And there's like this, the scene where Ryan Gosling asked to talk to his kids about what's going to happen. Not that that necessarily needs to translate into this movie, but there is this aspect of, yeah, you know, there's a lot that's weighing on an individual. Um, and Aaron and I have talked about that scene too, about why it's so good, about the way that Ryan Gosling plays with his hands, the way he can't really make eye contact with his kids, because he knows that there's like a chance that he could die up in space. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, also, it, that also gives you that brief context around the other characters, which I, I mean, but there's also a whole historical context with that movie that this sure. one doesn't have to. So you don't <laughs> right, have to. Yeah, yeah. This one, that yeah, one, you don't, you can, you can, like some, you can fill in the blanks where this one you don't have that opportunity. Totally. And I, I think that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Terrence and what you guys are saying too, Aaron, uh, about just, you know, there's a lot of here because there's a scene where they're having like the, you know, that, that celebration, like with, after before, before they're going to go into quarantine and everybody's like hugging their kids and even like the Russian cosmonaut, you're just like, Oh, this guy, he's also got like a wife he's going to leave behind. Um, Cause I would, I didn't know if he was married or had kids or anything like that. And that hug that he gives his wife is actually like, it looks like a real hug. Like he's going to be like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be out of here. And I feel really saddened about it. And then also like there's like a, a launch sequence where it's Apollo 13 esque where people on the ground are still just, emotionally spent um because these people are leaving so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, i think other things we want to talk about i know we have a number of other movies we want to one, get into i have one other thing um just that i think the reason why i felt that way with regards to her journey is that not that i don't expect there to be sexism because that would be a foolish thing to expect <laughs> right but like the way mike introduces Stella yeah, exactly to everybody like he and it's it's so key it's it's one of the best scenes in the movie because it's just so awful uh yeah. like he doesn't say her name and he's like oh well it's it's good to have her on board because i hear french women can cook and it's just like i i want to believe and this might just be me being nice i want to believe that like a woman getting to that level in modern times will hopefully not be met with a man like that's outwardly that awful mm -hmm. in this sort of epic moment in her life. Like I think even if, even if he didn't like her, which he does not, and he thinks that she's, you know, a space tourist or whatever. Right. Like in front of, you know, all the other space agency people and, you know, their kids, uh and then you know like the next scene you meet him and he's like trying to tell her to not do everything right that she needs to do and it's like i know you don't want her there but like that is not, are we just gonna outwardly under try and undermine her like that like that is crazy to me yeah because um, like e even the introduction scene where he uh they're having that that weird barbecue thing i, I was like okay well yeah. maybe this is just him 
being trying to be funny. Like he, you get the feeling from him that he's not, he doesn't like her anyway. But maybe he's just trying to be funny for the cameras. And yeah. then, like what you're saying, Terrence, there's the other scene where they're all just together having like one drink, and you're like, no, he actually just doesn't like her, and he is a huge dick. Yeah, like. And I'm glad and, that she stood up for herself. She just left the room. Yeah, and and so it was just like that was where I felt like it was starting to rely on the cliches. And, and like I said, I women experience sexism all the time. Not nothing new. Right. It just, at this point with storylines, I want a little bit more creativity. Mm-hmm. So like if we hadn't got that first scene, but we got the second, I would maybe under, or if we got one or the other, but because those, that was like a double whammy of like, oh no, this dude really is awful. And it just started click like in my head. I'm like, okay, so say she passes all of these tests, but she hasn't done everything that she needs to do. Are y'all going in space? <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't know. You, now you have two people, the alternate and her, who don't know the whole job. So mm-hmm. it was it was it was weird. Uh, but yes, I, I did enjoy the fact that she just took she drank that drink and she got up and left. She just yeah, she just got up. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I'm saying too is like there's relationships in this movie that just don't quite work for me in the air and I think you said it best which is like the sum of his parts um is not or some of some of the parts are not as great as the whole right or however you phrased it um I forget but <laughs> or, essentially yeah the, the things that work it. aren't as great as the sum of the parts of the film is yeah, yeah. I mean and that and it's like because it's I think we all agree like there's good there's it's it's a good movie without being a great movie um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i do it, it 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 does make its point as far as showing her doing like the other training and it does take a physical toll um like and that literally comes out in an infection on her leg it's like there's there's stuff there that's that's showing the difficulties and trying to balance that i think there's just a way where you could be focusing less on the basically the things you're talking about is like how much it's stacked against her because of this particular thing and more on the difficulties of this as a whole that happen to reflect yeah. on her specifically because she's the star right. of the film. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts are just that Eva Green, uh, who knew that she could speak so many languages? Um, and then the other part is like the, the, the kid actress, the kid actor uh, who plays Stella, her daughter, is really good too. Yes, yeah, uh, uh, Zili Bulan. Yeah, she's she's like really good. She's really good at, at affecting me in a way that is like, oh, wow, you know, I, I definitely feel like the sadness. Like when Terrence, you talked about it, it's like when she calls her about math, Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I feel bad too. And like, you know, Eva feels very conflicted about, you know, I can't really help you out right now. And there's just a lot of, uh, uh, that's there from both of those two actors, uh, Eva and also, how do you pronounce her name? Zili. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's a really good dynamic. Well, that's Proxima, which is available now on, uh, on VOD. Um, mm-hmm. What we're going to do now is kind of move in a bit of a round robin here, as we all have seen a few other things that we want to talk about a bit. And uh, I'll let Terrence start this one off. Terrence, what's the what do you want to get into first here? Um, so this week has been a year, um, <laughs> and so naturally, yeah. You know, this in this in this year has been you know about twenty years of our lives. Yeah. Um, and so I have been trying to watch things that are diverting, that won't hit on stuff that's a, too close to home. Um, so. I decided to explore the HBO Max movie catalog. <laughs> and so I've been watching I've been watching a lot of romance related things. Um and 
should I just talk about all of these movies together so I can tell you my thesis? You or, can, we... Yeah, you might, might as well bump it in, yeah. So <laughs> I watched Jane Eyre and Miss Julie, and then I watched earlier in the week, I watched When a Date with Tad Hamilton and What's Your Number. Um, so Jane Eyre, got... which Jane Eyre? The Jane Eyre. Fukunaga one? Fukunaga, uh-huh. Michael Fassbender, Mia Vazakoska. Vazakoska? Vazakoska. Where is Meryl Streep to pronounce her name correctly? Um <laughs> And Miss Julie with Colin Farrell, uh, Samantha Morton, and Jessica Chastain. Um, and it, so it was really interesting to watch sort of two, I wouldn't call those Regency tales, but like two past, two movies from the past and two movies with, from the recent present. You know, Miss Julie is the only one that doesn't feature a good relationship. <laughs> uh, those characters are quite toxic to each other. Um, it was interesting to watch that because it's based on a play and I think it's a little too stagey um, of an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you, I know who's afraid of Virginia Woolf is always going to be the gold standard of like how you can take a play, open it up a little bit, but still keep it in that really intimate setting, but have it not feel like we haven't left the room yeah. In 20 years. I see, I hear that. Clever way of describing it. And, yeah. and so, Miss Julie, I was just like, okay, so they're just in this kitchen. But, like, she's on this big, gigantic estate, you know. But I get that's where the play was set, so they felt like they had to anchor it there. And it's like, it, it just didn't, the room didn't feel new every time we returned to it. And I think that's what you sort of have to do. Mm. Um, and then Jane Eyre is just so good. Michael Fassbender it got to play a, a really good character there. Uh, and so did Mia, but like when a date with Tad Hamilton and what's your number was sort of like the crown jewel <laughs> of, this, of the screenings um, because it was so interesting watching both of those movies with 2020 eyes mm-hmm. versus the eyes I had when they came out. Um, Does when you know, a date what, with Tad Hamilton have an exclamation point at the end of its title? Is that one of those? It might have. I, I think it. it yeah, does. it does. It does. It's one of those. You know, it has an exclamation when point. A date, when a date with Tad Hamilton is all about this girl from West Virginia who wins a date with Tad Hamilton, who ends up falling for her, but she doesn't know that her best friend of forever has had feelings for her, played by Topher Grace. Um, and Josh Duhamel plays the star. Josh Duhamel is actually really good in this movie. Um, and I was like, oh, this is going to end, spoiler alert, for When a Day with Tad Hamilton. If you haven't seen it in the 10 years it's been out. Uh, I was like, oh, this is going to end with like her leaving Tad and getting back with this friend because this friend had all these feelings for her all along. And it does. And I'm just like, oh, that's just such an unsatisfying ending now. Mm. And What's Your Number is a movie about Anna Ferris's character being preoccupied with the fact that she read in this magazine article that's like, if you slept with over a certain amount of people, then like, you're basically like damaged goods or like the oh, the next guy is the guy that you're gonna, they talk about, you know, the guy that you, the guy that you sleep with and then the next guy is the guy that you marry. And she's so worried about that because she slept with like 20 people and, you know, Chris Evans is, is half naked in, in most of this movie. Um, <laughs> and it was like such a strange 
pairing of movies to look at how because all of these movies are focused on women these aren't stories that are focused on men Mm -hmm. just in terms of who they're marketed to who they're meant to be enjoyed by and so it's really fascinating that in both of those movies it's like the ultimate resolution is something that is male focused rather than something that is female focused because like at the end of what's your number it's like she thinks that she's one of the guys that she thinks that she slept with, she actually didn't sleep with. So Chris Evans is technically her number 20, which means he's the guy that she's right for, you know? Mm-hmm. And in Win a Day with Tad Hamilton, it's like, yes, the star is a little vapid, but like this guy who you never really knew cared about you that way, who apparently did and expressed his feelings for you, you need to go run back to him rather than getting with the glamorous movie star. And I was so fascinated by like that double bill of watching it being like, what is the message that those movies are really sending to women, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, who knew that my, you know, random watching of these (laughs) movies would lead to like an actual, you know, thought process. But like, yeah, I was really like, okay, so these movies are all marketed to women. You know, we've got half naked Josh Duhamel and half naked Chris Evans. Um, And then we have the fourth worst Chris is also in What's Your Number? Um, (laughs) The, the quote unquote not politically outspoken. That, right? Uh yeah, yeah, the not uh quote unquote not politically outspoken one. Um and so it's like all of these movies are like, oh, like we want all these women to go see it. And then at the end, it's like an ending that a man wants to reinforce to a woman. It's like I just couldn't believe Anna Ferris's character, you know, who is sort of successful in her own right was tripping this much about the fact that she slept with 20 people because her friends might not have. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's just my 2020 eyes looking at it, but I was like, why, you know? And, but it was like the sole core of her being was like feeling ashamed because of how many people she had slept with. And in Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, it's like, oh, you don't want like the, whether or not Tad was truly, truly into her, but like, I feel like if you were writing that movie today, at least you would have had a more extended period of time for her to learn that Tad might not have been there. It was like one scene and then she's running back to Topher Grace and just like what the messages men are trying to send through to women in these movies that are supposed to be made expressly for them, I thought was really fascinating. I love that you went on a deep dive and then discovered a thesis like in trying to watch some lighthearted movies. You're like, you know, there's actually some problems here that aren't great with 2020 hindsight. Yeah, I mean, I knew when a date with Ted Hamilton would be a mess because it was done so long ago. And, you know, some some movies you can forgive sort of the the mores and the morals <laughs> of the time. <laughs> you know, I, like, I love Cruel Intentions, and that movie is problematic. Uh, <laughs> but here it was just like, oh, like, Everybody, like all these women went to go see Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, probably because, you know, it had Kate Bosworth and Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Duhamel. To be fair, it bombed. Like, not that many people went to see Tad Hamilton. But it was like a thing that was marketed towards a certain segment of the population. Sure, yeah. With like a message at the end that was not good for that population. Um, Yeah. Is this is this what your percentage was earlier, or is this a different percentage, or is this like a different thesis? Oh, uh, this is a different thesis. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just I was just really fascinated. I'm going to continue to watch late 2000s 
in 90s rom-coms and judge them accordingly mm-hmm. um, well, like what the ghost of girlfriends past and Mm-hmm. Other, yeah. other McConaughey movies. <laughs> I mean, I will say that a lot of things yeah. have not aged well in terms of like mm-hmm. some stuff that we found okay or kind of like slightly yeah. funny back in the day. Like not even like late back in the day, more like even like five years ago or four years ago. No, I mean, less than that. Because, like, what, I'd say less than that because there's no well, more than that because there's no rom coms anymore. They're all on Netflix now. Two mm. thousand yeah, was the heyday. What's your number? Is a recent, you know. A recent-ish movie, yeah. It's a decade. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we—it's been you know 84 years since March, but uh, <laughs> 84 years. Yeah, it just—I I just found that really fascinating, and I think now the more that I watch these, because I've been really into sort of reading romance-related, reading and watching romance-related things during this quarantine period. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it'll be really interesting to continue to look at these movies through that prism of, like, who was this movie allegedly made for? But then, like, what was the message at the end that was delivered to this audience? So, yeah, that's my that's my thesis on those movies. <laughs> you think Josh Duhamel auditioned for Captain America? Probably. Yeah. Just seems like he it makes sense. The, he fits, like, the John Krasinski mold. I was going to say. He's like, oh, John Krasinski did it. <laughs> yeah, which would have been bad. It's, it's Marvel has not missed with the casting. They have the right, they have the right people in the right roles. Um, yeah, John Krasinski, that would have been really bad. <laughs> that would have been really, really, really bad. He did make a quiet place though, where uh, Aaron loved his nose on the screen. He's <laughs> just shaking that big nose at your face <laughs> with yeah. his finger, really his close finger. to it. Well, yeah, he's pumping it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, Terrence, I look forward to more of your. I guess right now it's an audio essay of, of uh, <laughs> how rom coms have aged poorly um, yes. in the in the recent decade. Uh, I actually was somebody was telling me about um. Uh, what's the Tom Hanks movie where you've got mail? Where basically he destroys her small business and then he makes it think as though I I haven't seen it, but it's like. Uh, something about like him basically sabotaging her business, her her like. Small he doesn't business. sabotage. It's just he has a big company and it ruins mom and pop stores. There you go. So and then the, he makes her fall in love with him. Well, the key difference is that movie works on its charm and it's better writing. I mean, that's that's the strength of that film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think you can have sort of problematic elements in these movies because that that you got mail is based off of a really sort of famous, shop around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, story which it got turned into a tony award-winning musical that then got turned you know uh yeah. so like that the idea of like somebody you falling in love for the person that you don't see some yeah deep some deep thoughts from some really not so deep movies <laughs> <laughs> all right i love it well i'll go next here uh, yeah as far as we keep this going um i saw a film called jungle land this week which came out also on vod uh, i think pvod actually um, it stars Jack O'Connell, Charlie Hunnam, and Jessica Barden. It also has a small role for Jonathan Majors. Um, it is about two brothers, O'Connell and Hunnam. Um, they, O'Connell is a bare-knuckle boxer. His older brother, played by Charlie Hunnam, is a is basically his manager. Um, they're in uh, Massachusetts. They're 
blue collar would be probably a promotion for them. So they're down, they're down on their luck, guys. They're they're not mm-hmm. doing the best. Hunnam's character has like a prison record, um, but he sees opportunity with his younger brother, is, whose name is Lion. Uh, he sees opportunity with him where he can go the distance as far as being a really good boxer, although only bare knuckle boxing because he got them disqualified from being able to actually box in like real games, mm-hmm. real matches. Um, the the thrust of the movie is the two of them are going to go on a trip to cross country to San Francisco where they can compete in a thing called Jungle Land, a big bare knuckle boxing oh. match, like a prize fight. Never heard of it. The uh, you don't go to Jungle Land every every year here. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I guess it, it, it's it's almost it sounds like a West Coast Governor's Ball, but yeah, never heard of it. Sure. Um, the reason they're doing that though is because they have to pay the debt of a mob uh, a mobster character who played uh. is played by Jonathan Majors and the one of the one of the tasks he also gives them is they need to transport this girl, this woman played by Jessica Varden, to Reno along the way, who probably has connections to another mobster that he's trying to appease. Um, so they're on the, it's a big road trip movie that largely deals with the relationship between these two brothers uh, and the the female character Sky showing O'Connell that Hunnam might be ta- trying to take advantage of him or at least using using him for his own gain. It's a little more complicated than that, but the, for the most part, the like the brother stuff really works, and the having her involved to kind of upset their, you know, the kind of the nature of that relationship, the of, of him doing one thing for the other, it it makes it more interesting. It's just the mob element gets in the way of this thing. It sure. it it really knocks it down. Like there's a way to tell the story that's just a straight drama involving these three characters that happen to be on a road trip together that I think could really work. But because mm-hmm. there's this mob element that's been inserted into it, which ends up playing a, a large role as far as how things turn out, it just kept turning me off. Not too similar, not too dissimilar from like something like Lucy. Remember Lucy with Johansson with the brain pill yeah, thing? Yeah, where she's yeah she increases in 100 percent brain yeah. capacity. There's a version of that movie where I'm like, this is really interesting on its own, but it's like, why is Odate So from Old Boy like also in this movie as a mobster like trying to do it? Like that's <laughs> I liked just, Lucy. <laughs> I liked I liked Lucy too, but I think oh. I would have liked it more if it didn't have like. <laughs> also, we need to have like this gangster element in here to yeah. really sell. It's like. I don't need this. Like, just give me yeah, Morgan Freeman saying, looking quizzical looks at her about this whole thing that's going on. <laughs> is Morgan Freeman the mob, mob boss in this movie? No, Morgan. No, Morgan Freeman's oh. the he's he's like the guy that's like, oh, I see you have this thing going on. Let me explain that for the audience. Like, very that's good that's Morgan Freeman, by the way. I know you just took Aberdashie more for Morgan Freeman, but it's pretty uh-huh. good. Uh, so <laughs> a few a few points that I want to ask or <laughs> a few you. things that come to mind. One of them is, uh, are they using original accents? Probably not. They're both American, and gen- and no, that said, generally I like Charlie Hunnam more when he's just playing, you know, British. He's very good here. Like that's okay. the thing. These performances are very good. Jack O'Connell, I think, has already proven himself many times over. I think he's yes. very good. Um, Charlie Hunnam, I'm mixed on because I think he can be good, but things where he has to be American, and as much as I like Pacific Rim. He's just not the great. He's not the best part of these things. Um, so when he gets I to be like British, the, I like how that's the example you're bringing up of his American accent. Because it's the main one. Like, Sons of Anarchy. Of anarchy. I, guess, but, yeah. I don't. I, I, this is a movie podcast. Shut up. Fine. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that you brought up, where it's like, oh yeah, brother elements, like obviously Warrior, right? Uh, War, where, warrior. You can't not think about Warrior while watching. Yeah, and I do. I and then I was like, if you added a mob element to Warrior, it's not that interesting yeah because it's better it's just... with like the family dynamic like mm-hmm. even with the dad right yeah um and then like when you added the mob element to it i was like well now it sounds like out of the furnace which is also a good movie uh but that was more focused on like really small things in that small town 
in, in West Virginia. Yeah. Well, that's a movie done because I think, I mean, I think that movie's fine, but Bale, I think it's one of his best performances. I was like, I was <laughs> like, like that's it's... one of my favorite Bale performances yeah, ever. He's, that he's, and, he... and, uh, and it's also a really good Casey Affleck performance. Yeah, he's good. And, yeah. and uh, Woody Harrelson's like a bastard in that movie. Like, there's a lot of good things in that movie. I forgot it's about like... that. He's the mob guy. Or yeah, he's, he's like the, the he's, local. He's the bad guy, guy yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I, like, I, there's stuff here that could, like, put it over the top, but it just gets bogged down in the over other. Over the top. Yeah. With Sylvester. Just gets bogged down in the crime stuff. That said, you know, Jonathan Majors pops up in like fancy suits. I'm like, oh, he took on one of these roles pretty quickly, so good for yeah. him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it? I mean, are we looking at a lot of bare knuckle boxing throughout the movie, or is it no, just more no, there's it's element? no, it's re, it's really like you you know the the intro is like oh that's what he does. You get like a little right. a little fight in the middle, and then the end has a fight. And but yeah, it's really not like like Rocky has more boxing than this, but this movie does. Okay. And that's one that yeah. has two fights. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the climax isn't built around like a, a super long because it's bare knuckle boxing. Those matches don't go very long. You know, you're not having 12 rounds of people punching the f- shit out of each other with no gloves on. So. Only, only in snatch. Even uh, then, that match isn't that long. It's like yeah, right, you yeah. you've cut to like the the end of it. <laughs> yeah, like the, the yeah you do. And even the joke of it is he mostly just punches them out in one punch anyway. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. like there's never time. Don't really piss off this guy. Yeah. So yeah, Jungle Land, like, if it comes to streaming at some point, because I don't think you need a PVOD price to watch this, you yeah, know, it's worth yeah. checking out, because I do think the performances are quite strong, from the three of them, actually, they're all very good, um, but it just, it loses me of the, the, the writing a bit. It's directed by Max Winkler, by the way, Henry Winkler's son, um, who's directed a couple films, he's directed Flower, he his, his son is, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he directed, he's directed a couple things, he directed a movie called Flower a couple years ago, um, uh, but yes, yeah, this is a... It's you know it it looks good and it's a good looking movie like it's well it's made well enough there's some good editing stuff going on here but uh, overall it's just kind of fine. Mm-hmm. Abe, what's uh what do you got going on here? You know one of the first movies I want to talk about is Prospect. Uh, it's a movie that I guess came out at South by Southwest maybe a couple years ago. Um, but first, Terrence, I'm actually thinking Rick, racking my brain now about like these rom coms and how they have turned out. <laughs> like, I, I watched this movie. I don't know if you guys watched This is not my, my movie that I'm going to talk about, but I watched the half of it on Netflix. Um, That's and I was like, still in my know, queue. I wonder how you're going to feel about that one because it's it's written and directed by... Uh, she's a Canadian Chinese female, I think, because um, it's a Canadian film. But it's one of those things where I'm thinking about how that outcome works out. I was mm. like, this feels like a fairly realistic outcome for this protagonist that i'm following throughout this so i would be curious when you watch it what your take is we might have to go revisit that um when you do finally get a chance to see it um with all that being said though um prospect is is a it's like this movie that's set in like maybe like the the i don't think it's near future but future um where people are living in space now and you kind of really only go to the planet to different planets uh whenever you need to i guess um I don't think the word scavenge is right, but when you want to go like what the movie is called prospect and see if there's anything on the planet that you can take to go and sell and trade for and barter for in, in planetary space. So it kind of centers around like a family uh, played by uh, the main character is uh, Sophie Thatcher, but she plays this character named C and her, her uh, dad is played by Jay Duplass. Um, and his, oh. his name is Damon with beard uh, with beard. Yeah. And right when he said his name was Damon, uh, I thought about, you know, our, our friends of the show um, over at The Signal. And, you know, Damon is Nomad, right? 
So uh, anyway, uh, okay. um, <laughs> <That's a reach. laughs> but the whole entire premise is like, great. Well, you know, we've got to go. Let's go. Her dad is really good at finding like this specialized. It's almost like a diamond. But the way that you have to get it is it grows underneath the um, underneath like some terrain and it's alive. It's part of like this organism and you have to cut it in such a way that. There's like it's almost like a, a blowfish where if you cut it wrong, then, you know, you're going to kill yourself because the poison is released. And so if you don't cut it the right way, then the, the gem that's inside it, it itself uh, combusts. But as you go through this movie, like the thing that is fascinating is it's literally like a Western set in space. You're in like this unknown part of the world or galaxy on this planet. And it's just. People that are bartering, they have, like, space weapons, but it's really just, like, it, it, it's almost like a, a cowboy movie. Uh, and without, you know, you're introduced to Pedro Pascal, and right away, you're just like, Pedro Pascal just, like, fucking runs laps around J.J. Plus, like, as an actor. Like, it's just so apparent. Like, he's so good in this movie. You're just like, oh wow, you know. I I'm not necessarily surprised, but like, I, I, there are there are different kinds of guys. Like, Pedro, he's yeah. a bigger actor. You like Pedro... buried the lead with this movie. You should have led off with Pedro Pascal. Pedro, pa... <laughs> it's <laughs> just that he shows up a little bit later. Okay. Like, yeah, but like, like yeah. I, I told you about this movie, and the only thing I know about it offhand is that Pedro Pascal is the star of it. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, he, he's he comes in a little bit later, but quite honestly, I know that they're different types of actors like Jude Bliss probably more TV um and more he's writing like, he, yeah and he's just more of like a yeah he's because he's from that mumblecore scene yeah, he's, so he's, he's yeah. basically yeah. his brother or like mumblecore founders right yeah um but as you get through the movie it, it kind of becomes like last of us um where you have like uh people on a, on like it's almost like a a survival mission to some degree um because of the the things that are in play but I really liked this movie in that it has a really good look to it. Um, it. It's clearly shot on like a low budget and it's clearly shot like in the hills of Oregon or the mountains of Oregon. Um, but it looks very cool because they do some really neat things to the atmosphere and they, they add like some effects to the atmosphere uh, so that when you're looking at it, you're just like, oh, I can see why you have to wear the spacesuit and Obviously, the spacesuits don't look that great, but they also look kind of cool because I started looking up spacesuits to buy online yesterday um, and helmets to buy online yesterday. But um, I think at the heart of it, it's this really interesting story about Pedro Pascal. He does a lot of exposition in it, but it's it's kind of an interesting story about like getting to know people um, and how you get to know people um, and how that that kind of builds over time. But I, I really like this just because of Aaron. I talked to you about this before where there's movies where you're just like, you're mad that you didn't, you didn't write or direct them. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it. Like, this is such a cool premise. Like it, it's such a simple premise in that I was like, ah oh, man, I, 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 sh- I need to get like my, my camera out. We should got to go direct something so quickly, like right now kind of thing. But obviously I couldn't do that. Um, it's it's not as simple as what I'm describing, but I think there's a lot of elements to it that makes it nice and neat in its own little pocket. Like it doesn't try and expand and try and go like after Earth style where it's like, oh, well, you know, this is what happened to the Earth and yada, yada, yada. It's like more it's like we're trying to do one thing 
we're going to meet some people along the way. There might be some problems, but we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to, to just like accomplish that single goal. You know what I mean? It's very singular in its, in its outset and it doesn't stray from it, which is a, a good credit. Like, is it a great movie? Probably not, but also is it like very, is it something that you that you don't really see often? Yeah, kind of. Um, and I like the way that I described it. It's like this. It's not like space opera where it's like Cowboy Bebop. It's much more um, subdued than that. But I, I did like it for the fact that it's like a pretty quick watch. And it you do get really invested in these characters. Like I haven't really mentioned Sophie Thatcher a lot, but she's really good in this. As, as you start to grow on this uh, in, in the in the film, her character becomes like one of those characters. Who's like you're really rooting for her quite a bit. Um, same with Pedro, but at the same time, like, you know, there's some complications. So I would it's on Netflix right now. Like, is it something that you need to drop and run out and go see right away? No, but it is a movie that I I probably would revisit just because I like the atmosphere that they're setting up. And I kind of want to pay attention to like some of the other things that um, some of the visual cues. Um, and I'd also say that the the score is pretty good. Um, the score, again, the reason why I thought of the, I think of The Last of Us is in the. Um, in the first part of the game, when you're selecting your options, there's like this really like uh, mellow score, and that's kind of like the the score that's being played throughout this movie as well. So check it out if you have time. Yeah, well, that's at the top of my queue. Prospect that's on Netflix. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to finally seeing it. Um, uh, Terrence, what's the what's the next film you got here? Mm, one of the many many things of mess that I've been <laughs> watching. Do I want to talk about? There is one movie that is coming out very soon that I saw that was dreadful. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I can't. You'll know on the, uh, what is it, the 10th? At 6 a.m. It's coming up. Uh, Way to tease that, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, that's the the main. Sort of, I've, been try, I've been like slowly, like ever so slowly creeping through movies that I haven't seen um, from this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a really slow slog to get through yeah. all of this stuff. I watched Alive, Alive in Peninsula. That's a good oh. hashtag. Alive. Hashtag. Oh God. Uh, hashtag. That's alive. what. That's the title. <laughs> um. So zombies. Yeah. Zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um. Hashtag Alive was fine. It's a little ridiculous. Is that that's... also South Korean? Yes. It's, oh, more well, of, it's more. Of, it's more of a comedy, right? Yeah, it stars you, I am, or I am you, um, yeah. from the best movie of 2018, Burning. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, that was that was uh, your dude. Yes, the movie, the movie that I saw the day after Suspiria, <laughs> um, and had no idea was also two and a half hours until Aaron <laughs> told me. So that's how long it was. Um, and I had a much better time without the spirit, but Peninsula, so the Train to Busan sequel. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting from that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it wisely retained sort of like the family element and like the survival of kids that makes that made the first one so compelling. Because like, yes, zombies on a train is terrifying, but like, it's more about like. Can, it, can this man, can they protect their loved ones? Can this man get yeah. his daughter to safety? Yeah. This one, it's like you have sort of a family element, but I think sort of the more out there, you know, like 
all of these zombies are outside. So now we've got like these factions who keep themselves, you know, closer to the way and they're devol- devolving into sort of like this weird military group. Some of the action stuff didn't hit as effectively as the first one did. And so from mm-hmm. that standpoint, it was a little bit of disappointment, but it is, it is an entertaining movie. What I, what I like is that it pivots from just being like, I can't believe we're on another train with zombies to like doing something else. Uh, yeah. I can appreciate that a lot. Cause it is, it's, you know, it's escape from New York. Like that's the movie it's trying to be like that. And like Mad Max to an extent. I asked yeah. earlier, or, but nobody from the original movies in this one, like not, uh, not no, the no, daughter the only, or not the, no. the, the only thing it shares is just that it's set in the same universe. It comes, Got it. it comes you know, like a few years after they've contained the issue to just the peninsula of South Korea. Mm-hmm. um so it's it's just operating in that world oh that's still. why it's called peninsula yeah yes, it's, of the, it's, yeah. it's wild like in this sort of newscast you find out that like the zombies overran korea in four days but that because yeah. of north oh, wow. korea because they hadn't signed a like a reunification treaty north korea was able to close the border yeah. and oh, wow. they shut them off for the rest of the world talk about improving relationships right yeah i mean but that's that's very much in it's probably the, pretty true, like what they would do. But this is what in World War Z, huh? um, the book, not the movie, what the book was able to get at more so than the movie of like the concept of like how these countries would do. Like in the movie, yes, you have them talking about how like in North Korea they pulled out everybody's teeth so that nobody could bite anybody. Right. Um, but I like the aspect would be like you know, uh, is Israel had like the walls and they they built them like yeah, they're they're very selective by who they let in. Yeah, yeah, you get much more into policy. Like this movie doesn't really get into policy, but it was interesting. The premise is interesting, and I do like how they sort of kept the family core in it, that they realized that that was what made the first one so effective. Um, but it just... The first movie is just filled with so much more tension. Like, this is really... This is like Alien versus Aliens. Yeah. Uh, where, like, they were like, all right, the first one was, like, this tense... Claustrophobic type Claustrophobic, thing. like drag you by your eyebrows movie and then this one is just going to be like action hmm. yeah so it's, like, it's like alien versus aliens that's what he said yeah yeah but aliens is i wouldn't say equal to alien but like aliens is very very good peninsula is just fine i got it yeah yeah i, yeah, I mean i i would agree as far as alien and aliens are to me they're both amazing movies Mm-hmm. And regardless of which one you kind of side with more, where this is like, I would say it's a substantial step down from Train to Busan, but I really like Train to Busan, and I just kind of I like Peninsula. I think it's it does its it does its job as far as being a sequel to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I also really like the the uh, CL Station, the anime film set before Train to Busan, which is also available. Currently. Mm. That, that's just that's a what's what it called? CL Station. CL Station. Yeah. Seoul, as in like S E O U L. As in the city in Korea. Seoul. Seoul. Is it Seoul? Yeah, it's Seoul. I was Sorry. like Seoul, like <laughs> the animal. I never, I never heard it actually being said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't like. That's pretty clever to have like maybe it's like an acronym S E A L, like you know S dot E dot A. Yeah, no, it's Seoul, Seoul Station. Then. Seoul Station. Okay, got it. Yeah. So it is a trilogy overall. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's worth checking out. That's on, I think it's on Prime or. I know it's on Canopy, um, but uh, nice. it's, 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 it's a great service. It is. What is Canopy? Canopy is if you have a library card. If you have a library card, it's a, a free a free a streaming service that um, has all. It's very much specialized in like independent and foreign films, mm. along with some 
like some stuff, like some A24 stuff, things like that. But it's a it's a great service, especially for people that you know don't want to pay for something but yeah, have access to the library. Use the library. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, okay, I got another one here. Yeah. It's the Dark and the Wicked. Uh, mm-hmm. This is from the director of uh, Brian Bortino, who directed The Strangers back in 2008. Don't like uh, it already. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Yeah. Before we go too far. Uh huh. You don't like The Strangers? No, he, no, he's, no he's terrified I, I, of The Strangers. It, it's it's like a home invasion thing that just feels too real, and so I don't. Uh huh. Like oh, that's what makes it so fast. Okay. You can continue. Yeah. <laughs> this film, I mean, I know he's done a couple things since the Stranger, or just one. Yeah, no, a couple things since the Strangers, but this one, this feels back in line with that. That said, there is a big difference with the Strangers is obviously a physical threat of other people invading a home, where this is a supernatural one. But okay. he knows how to use atmosphere. Bertino is really good with atmosphere because this movie capitalizes on that in the same way the Strangers does. Uh, it involves t- uh, two siblings. They go back to their family farm. Their father is on the de- his deathbed. Their mother is she's always been a she's had a, a mental handicap all her life, and she's you know really struggling with the fact that her husband is you know dying, and things happen that are tragic that lead to the siblings having to stay a lot longer in this house. But something's going on, and it's. <laughs> I'm being vague, but I mean, there's not much to explain beyond it. Just seems like the whole area is haunted. <laughs> like there's no, the there's whole no. Farm is haunted. Basically, yeah, because Yikes. just it becomes a, a thing of seeing things in the distance, uh, random things appearing in the night. Uh, it feels like a, it feels like a demon is invading their home, which is why mm. it feels like the strangers because of the way it's handled, where mm. there are like jumps and what have you, but it's it's so striking and the, the score and the atmosphere is so thick and how it's presenting things or like revealing information to you where it's uncomfortable to watch. There's a constant tension throughout this thing. Wow. It's not a film that, you know, punctuates things with moments of levity. It doesn't have time for that. It's just about getting you into this very specific mood and creeping you out. And I think it really works. Pre- I've liked it more. The more I've thought about it, the more I've actually liked it. I do think it, I think that the struggle it has compared to the strangers is because it's a, you know, a non-physical threat, the rules aren't very clear. Like, so it just feels like they're doomed from the start, basically, oh, <laughs> where at least you feel like Liv Tyler and Scott, Spe- Scott, Scott Speedman? No. Um, yeah. Yeah, Scott Speedman. Um, you know, one of those white guys with brown hair. Um, the, <laughs> <laughs> Dylan O'Brien? <laughs> um, the, it, you know, there's... And I'm not giving anything up, but, like, in The Strangers, like they can make some kind of plan to ideally get out of their situation mm-hmm. where this it's like, I don't know how they get out of their situation. Right. It just it's similar to like insidious. Even if they leave, it still seems like the situation's following. Them. That, that was like so the best part like, of insidious. Yeah. That they move to a non scary yeah. looking house and it's like, Nope, and it's still, still a problem. So like that doesn't bother me too much, but it's enough where I'm like, well, what's the solve here? Like that kept kind of bothering me throughout. Like it kept, it kept getting at me. It's like, is it resolve in a way that, that is a good solve or it doesn't? The, Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil That's it. You're liking huh? I, I, I will say the, the majority of the movie really works because of the atmosphere. I wish it ended a little bit stronger for me. Okay. Mm. Um, but I mean, I am aware it has like a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so like people like this movie. Like oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, The Dark and the Wicked. That's on. I think it's in the drive-ins. I actually, I know it's in drive-ins. It's also, I think it might oh, be. God. I think it might be. <laughs> so now you're like, I I need to get in my car, <laughs> even though I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think that instead of like uh, screaming, people are just honking when they get scared? Because <laughs> their hands like, oh, and they, yeah. they, they weren't. Yeah. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um, yeah, so I, I believe it's on it's on uh, on VOD as well. But yeah, okay. the Dark and the Wicked, uh, worth it for, for especially if you're a fan of the Strangers. I think you'll be like, oh yeah, this guy's still doing that. <laughs> I might watch it on mute first, go through it, and then I'll watch it with audio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just to know where all the jump scares are. All right. Um, Terrence, you got any more? Um, hmm. You want to talk about bad hair? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so bad hair is terrible. Uh, this is this is the new film from Just from Justin Simeon, the director of. And now that you know that it's bad, we, I can go and and I'll go back and it is directed by Justin Simeon, the director of Dear White People. Um, I'm starting to think that the first cracks of out of dear white people might be the best he can do mm-hmm. um and by that i mean the movie and i mean the first season of the tv show because mm-hmm. not like he's done a lot but it's just i'm starting to see the effort but not in a good way so bad hair is essentially it's about a young woman who's working at a at a tv station and like ends up getting taken over um by a white owner and a new she has a new boss Played by Vanessa it, Williams. It's set Vanessa in 1989, Will- by the way. That should be cool. Yeah. Vanessa Williams is like, hey, I want all my girls to have a certain look. Like, this this main girl is, is very capable, and she's good at her job. Um, she goes to this hairdresser to get um, a sew-in, and strange things start happening to her and around her when she gets the sew-in. I think that the idea of this movie was good. Like the idea of like getting something to help you advance and that thing actually ends up being really bad for you. I just don't think that he landed the thesis at all. It's like, what, what was I supposed to take away from the, like, she's not awful. Her hair is, Mm -hmm. you know, and there wasn't a meteoric enough rise or like and this that's is the thing right it does she yeah, doesn't this... like once she gets the thing it's like oh great you have new hair like that's nice like there's no like she's promoted to the you know senior vice president or anything like that so it's yeah. like the metaphor doesn't land as far as being like power corrupts it's like well what did she do with power like nothing really yeah. <laughs> like... something that you have to say it, and lovecraft country did a little bit of this too where it's like you have to give characters who have no understanding of magic or crazy things time to sit with the fact that they are dealing with magic and crazy things. So like it would be different if she was like, you know, blacking out. And then all of a sudden, like the next day it was like, Oh, like where is so-and-so? Oh, well, so-and-so, you know, had this really tragic accident. And now they're like, now she can take their job or, or make her even more villainous where this thing really starts poisoning her. Like he made it so much about the hair and less about the person that now you can't even it's not like the people with natural hair survived this movie it's not like he was saying oh don't get a weave rock your natural hair like he just brought up a premise and then sort of let it sit there for an entire movie yeah it wasn't good (laughs) (laughs) i'll just say i i do like the first like 20 minutes a lot because it it sets up what's going on but also you get the when she gets the sewing when she gets the weave the way that shot is like a body horror movie, like going into 
like a hardcore like medical procedure where it's giving you all these close-ups of like the the needles going into the scalp and doing all the things to that required for a sewing and showing you intense close-ups of little swatches of blood and whatnot that's you know that's also real like it's like it's not it's not exaggerated it's just being you know exploited essentially and it's really effective and like uncomfortable the way it should be uh, and it just like you're saying terence it just kind of gets lost from that point which is upsetting because there's a lot of promise there there's a lot of promise of something you can do with that story and it just kind of chooses not to do anything with that well that... i mean you guys both said something that basically it loses me when it's like well this person's not a bad person it's the hair that's bad and it's like well at that point what am i am i supposed to be rooting for something you know what i mean like i yeah or like am i supposed to like give in to like the the nefarious culture or uh, the nefarious mood of the movie it's like no yeah, because then you find out that like this hair is based off of like a slave story mm-hmm. and like that's supposed to have some deeper meaning and it doesn't because mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it gets lost. It's like, it just throws it in among other, like look at the poster for this movie. There's like eight names listed on the cast. It's like, there's so much here. And it's like, there's a way you can do this better by minimizing some of these details. Like you don't need, you know, Usher Raymond to have a subplot in this movie. Like there's not Usher's all these things. That, yeah, yes, there's a ton of people in this movie. Usher, James Vanderbeek. Like it's just like all these people in this thing. Yeah, so, I think Kelly Rowland only being in it for two seconds is like the real, real mess because it's like, it's clear. He makes it clear that like, she also got this hair, mm-hmm. but he never does anything with that. And, and I'm like, okay, you have all of these interesting elements. You have like Vanessa Williams in this truly terrible wig because she's got this <laughs> hair too but like what does it say about her like what what are you trying to say about like a woman are you trying to say something about this woman getting her hair done like this are you trying to say something about the corporate culture right. that's making her do this yeah it doesn't find that yeah and it can't find either yeah mm-hmm. which is a shame now I've said that the open. I do think the end, where at that point I've just kind of given up on hoping to get more out of it and just like oh, getting into the silliness. I do think the end, where it just kind of goes bonkers wild, is fun enough. It just it doesn't save the movie, but like you get things like Lena Waithe has like the funniest line in the movie at that point. But yeah, there's like other things there where it's like okay, if he wants to embrace this being like a really cheesy horror movie that like goes wild like okay I, I wish it earned this more but at least i was like yeah i was i was left smiling a bit as opposed to being like well this is a waste of time uh mm-hmm. so it has a little bit of that going for oh i still but, thought it was a waste of time but at that point i was like i've made it this far yeah <laughs> so. It, so it's it's not really like a horror comedy it's kind of just like horror horror but not, no it's a horror it's no, a it's horror a comedy, comedy. Okay. it's a co- it's more a comedy than all it's never scary like it's okay it's yeah hair. it just much. It's tough because, like, and not to compare it to, you know, the Oscar-winning Get Out, but I think (laughs) that we're in an era of black horror where, like, you just got to do better. Right. You know, it can't can't be a lackluster achievement. And then, you know, it's like Justin Simeon is a a black gay man, um, but, like, there aren't many black women on the team. A lot of black women in the cast, not a lot of black women on the creative team, and so it's like, could it have been better? <laughs> like, like it should have been better, is what I, I would say. I can't. I mean, it's not. 
it's not like he went out and like I'm gonna make something lackluster. I'm sure he's proud of his movie. I can't like I can't I can't throw it that way. Yes, there's obviously better movies dealing in the realm of black horror. Yeah, I mean, there's other movies I've seen that are also black horror that are not as good as Get Out. But I don't think the effort's yeah. not like I don't think the effort's not there. And like I know because Abe and I we, we talked about this with Antebellum um like a month back or whatever. I was getting some of those vibes, yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, you know, despite the fact that. I'm on the minority side of people that like it well enough, even though I know it has its flaws and could be better. It's not like I'm sitting here thinking, well, they tried to do an okay job. They put, you know, they did what they wanted to do with this movie. Yes, I mean, but we don't, we don't review on effort. We review on, <laughs> we review final no, but product. But you can't single out a movie saying, like, I, you know, it needs to... Well, it's, it's just, it, it needs just to be like, better, and it's their fault for not trying harder. Like, I mean, like, they... Or even with a movie like Us, Right, which I uh-huh. think is fine. Um, right. you know, the great performances elevate, I think, what is a really shaky script. But don't you feel like that movie had a point at least? No, that's I, that's I, the that's the better question, yes. And yeah. I and I do think a movie like Bad Hair, it really tosses in these intriguing ideas and doesn't do anything with them. That is a problem. I agree with that completely. Yeah. I, I I whether its aspirations are like if I'm comparing it to specifically like Annabellum. I think that movie's aspirations just aren't that high, which I and I think people got caught up in that as far as that movie goes. Where this movie, I do think the aspirations are higher to comment on something, and it just doesn't accomplish that whatsoever. Where yes, us is doing something, Get Out's trying to do something. There's other movies, Candyman's trying to do something. Like there's other ones out there that really want to attack you in ways that are beyond just the you know the the, the horror elements. They want to really say something. Um, and this one, yeah, this one poses the question without answering it. Yeah, is which is a shame. Grace that has short. It's like, a, like I mean, it I, felt long. It felt long. Like I, oh, like I was, felt... I looked at the runtime again. I was like, this was like almost two hours, right? It's like it's only 140 minutes. It's like okay, or an oh, hour, wow. 40, an hour <laughs> sorry, sorry, an hour 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it's like, ah, yeah, it felt long. It it's felt just, like I kept watching this. It's not doing anything with its scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just want to know, like, it was the moral of the story. Don't get a weave. Like what? Like what? Truly, what is the moral of the story? Like I, I think there was something interesting here about like how all of these women, you know, had to because of their corporate nature had to get this thing, but by getting this thing, it's turning them evil, you know. I mean, and so maybe people should just be themselves. Well, that's that's like the obvious one as far as like yeah, be yourself and you'll be great, like whatever. But it's like but they she, set they set her up. Great. Yeah. Well, she can't. Yeah, but they also they set her up where even before she gets evil weave, she's like she's tenderheaded, right? Like she already like it's already hard for her to deal with the pain of going through this kind of thing with good hair. So it's like I don't know. Like we're we're what's the ultimate? What is the ultimate goal here? What are we trying to say? Is it yeah. just solely about her character or what her personality is supposed to be? Corporate culture. Right. Uh, so instead the, of watching this movie, you guys are both recommending Chris Rock's good hair. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> watch, watch Chris Rock. That, that actually asks some questions. Then watch Bigger and Blacker just to have just for the laugh. Just just do a Chris Rock thing. <laughs> have have a Chris Rock Sunday. <laughs> hey, what uh his uh sorry, Bad Hair is on Hulu now, by the way, for anyone that's curious to watch Bad Hair. Um, Abe, hey, what's uh, what else do you got? Uh, last thing that I'm gonna that I've watched that I want to chat about is Showbiz Kids. This is an HBO documentary, um, directed by Alex Winter of Bill and Ted fame. Um, and it basically just goes through what it's like being uh, a child actor you know they start off with like this the character who played baby peggy and talking about how basically she worked and she expected 
every kid to work. Like she just kind of just knew that as her life. But also the exploitations of these kids and that, you know, the parents get kind of power hungry. As it goes through, you know, you get all these other child actors, um, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Mila Jolovich, uh, Mara Wilson, obviously, Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Wheaton. And then I think like the most interesting person here is Henry Thomas. Um, when they get to Henry Thomas and they start talking about like why he wanted to do some of these projects or how he's doing some of these projects, um, that it was really cool because Henry Thomas is a, is a fairly quiet guy. He doesn't really do as many interviews and he kind of like doesn't really act as much anymore. Uh, well, unless so, Mike Flanagan calls him. That's for sure. Like, Mike Flanagan calls him for, for Blyhouse. Well, he's in uh, everything. He's in everything Mike Flanagan's done. Okay. Uh, which is great. You know, it, it's, it's good for him to, to keep getting those things because he seems like a pretty decent dude. Um, but I think what, what I'm, I'm kind of not jiving with as much. Not that it's bad. It's just, it doesn't explore some of the elements that, perhaps you you think it it should explore and i'm not talking about like the the sexual exploitation stuff which they do touch upon and every richard wood is probably the most the loudest person uh, on the documentary about it uh, especially like with kevin spacey but it's more of just like all the dynamics of what happens like with your parents and also like the money issues like they do get through some of it but because he's going through so many people and it's not super focused in terms of who he's uh, speaking to and how they they uh, embrace like um, what they did embrace or how they perhaps rejected it um, it doesn't really come across as like a, a documentary that feels it, it it's trying to make this impact but i don't think it's making the biggest splash that it could make um, and i think that's kind of the thing that holds back is it good yeah i think it's well shot and it's well when it's well done and i really honestly enjoyed the henry thomas and also the will wheaton um aspects because the will wheaton one where he's talking and these are all these aren't they're, they're all cut, you know, um, so that they'll go back to different people, um, but explaining the narrative that he that he's um, putting out there. The Will Wheaton one is interesting because he does talk about his parents a little bit. You know, basically his parents were throwing a bag of money, and that's why he did one of the movies that was like super terrible. And so because of that, that puts him onto the bad, the like the the child actor who had one good child movie and then is a bad actor now kind of train. And he felt as though that kind of derailed his career a little bit until Star Trek. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating to hear about. But it is uh, something that um, I think would have been heavily, uh, you know, part of everybody's life here, too, you know. Um, but as it progresses, it does get into, you know, was it worth it being a child actor? And some of these people are like, yeah, but I also think that it's also really important to have the like, protections and also really important to, like, be there for your kids and, and try and give them a normal life because – the um mila jolovich she kind of talks about like people put makeup on her when she was 12 and then she was sexualized and they have all, all these photos of her like on covers for like uh magazines and it's like yeah that is weird um but i think like the person that really comes out on top here uh would be probably mara wilson where she's like her parents were kind of like trying to give her a great life uh but also like she also knew that she didn't want to do like be in front of the camera and uh ultimately like Next to Mar Wilson, like the person that comes off the best here is probably like Cameron Boyce, who you know R.I.P. But it's it's one of those oh. things where he was like, yeah, I was part of the, the show, and then it ended, and people were asking me what I wanted to do, and it's like maybe I should go to college, and I was like in my head, I was like, please go to college, um, because then you'll realize that like you know it's not all just about acting, but he's like, but then you're also stuck in this world now where you are an established name, and you also have like these credits to to your name, so maybe you just keep going and um it's kind of like a difficult position to be in but 
ultimately i think it's like it's a good documentary it's not a great documentary it's it's not one of those ones that i think would have blown anybody away at any sort of um uh, award show or an event or or a festival but it is good to just hear from some of these voices um like as i mentioned before so it's on hbo if you want to watch it now but i don't, I don't think it's necessarily something you have to run on see it was just something that i i HBO randomly max. turned on what's that is it hbo max HBO Max, yes, but I think it's also just HBO across because it's it's an HBO uh, okay. produced documentary. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would watch it just to to get a sense of it because I think he tries to do too much in too short of a time frame. Because I mentioned the the baby Peggy thing, so he goes back pretty far, like back to like you know uh, the golden era of of cinema, um, even before that too. And he'll intersplice like some Shirley Temple stuff here and there, like interviews. But it, it's it's like kind of a little bit unfocused at that point. So uh, if you had just tightened it up with maybe a, a few characters and how their experience was, that would have been an interesting uh, documentary as well. But yeah, it is what it is. All right, uh, Terrence, you got one more for us? Uh, sure. I talked about Monsoon, um, the Henry Golding movie. Huh. Um, my I uncle. <laughs> Is that like an inside joke? To Henry no, Golden it's Donald? more just like he's a cool guy. I kind of want to. I kind of want to know him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's very cool. Uh, he lives near one of my coworkers, allegedly. Oh. Uh, but I won't put his address on blast here on the podcast <laughs> um, because that might put her, her address on blast. Um, so essentially, he's playing um, a Vietnam-born, London-raised hmm. kid. Um, who had his family escaped during the Vietnam War, they moved to London. Um, and he his parents have died. And so now he's trying to return to Vietnam uh, to find the place to sort of spread their ashes um, and reconnecting with some family friends he had out there and also falling in love um, with the son of an American soldier um, played by... Uh, I think his name is Parker Sawyers. Yeah, I see that now. Yeah. Um, who played Barack Obama in a movie once? The Sun is it the Sunside with You movie? Yeah. Yes. Southside with, 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 with you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it captures something interesting about like being from a place or like and then going back after like long long absences or like the sort of the alienation that, you know, many people with a hyphen in their sort of race or ethnicity feel like when they go back to a place and it's like totally different and you don't relate like how alienated that can be. I think they did a really great job of showing that character trying to reconnect. I don't know how great I think the movie is, but I think on the, on like a thematic level, it's really interesting. No. All right. Where'd you, how'd you see that movie? Is that on VOD or? Uh, yeah, I had a screener, but yeah, it's, it's on VAD. Okay, it's Monsoon. Um, I've got, I can do this in one, because um, i got a couple more. I st- there's, there's a lot of horror movies that came out, um, so I can just kind of quickly go through some of these real quick. But I'll also mention real quick, and I think I can sum this up for both Terrence and I when I say, I watched Rebecca, the remake on Netflix. Um, why? And that's all I have to say about uh, Rebecca. That's a good question. Um, good summation. 
Yeah. So there's a few other horror movies that I've seen. Like I said, uh, I'll, I'll do the best one last, but I'll start with these other two. Or, geez, three. There's, real quick here. There's movies called Kindred and Spell, which tap into black horror a little bit here. Kindred is a it's a, it's a film about a, a woman who's pregnant. She's black. She has a white boyfriend. Um, her the, the the boyfriend's mother is played by uh, Fiona Shaw, uh, who also has a son. Uh, they live in this, like, this big gothic mansion. The boyfriend dies, so the woman is left up to being helped by her uh, boyfriend's brother and, and mother, and they're basically trying to lock her in the house and do everything they can to protect this child. There's a big Rosemary's Baby vibe going on in this thing, and there's a lot of good creepiness in it. It just doesn't quite... I wish it ended better. Um, kind of my theme for some of these horror movies. Um, another one is Spell with Amari Hardwick and Loretta Devine. It starts out like Black Misery, and I was really into it, um, where Hardwick's character, he has a private plane of his family, he crashes the plane during a storm, and then he wakes up in the bed of this this voodoo woman, played by Loretta Devine, who's trying to nurse him back to health, but is really using like dark magic all around him. And that's an intriguing setup, because Loretta Devine is playing against type, which is really interesting, uh, where she's you know putting that kind of friendly face on the evils that she's actually doing uh, once again good setup just doesn't really go far with it that's all that interesting which is unfortunate um next one is come play uh this is with uh jillian jacobs and the little boy who what is where is he from he's um he's in oh he's the kid from marriage story he's the he's the kid he's the he's driver in johansson's oh that guy lame son um <laughs> He's a kid. Uh, so rude. I yeah. mean, <laughs> um, but this way, like, he plays a boy with autism, and he makes a friend through this, or he thinks he's making a friend through this, like, app that tells a story about this thing named Larry. Except the app, I don't know if it's the app or just demons in general, but it comes to life and starts kind of terrorizing this kid and his parents, Jillian Jacobs and uh, and John Gallagher Jr. is his father. Uh, they're dealing with it all at the same time. He's a he play, sorry he plays a nonverbal autistic kid too, so he can't speak throughout this thing. Or at least when he does, it's you know little murmurs and things like that. Which is there's interest there in the idea of hey we're putting a you know a, a kid with autism, uh, even though it's an actor playing a kid with autism, but like it's, we're having a horror film that's kind of dealing in that territory. Um, that's interesting. And there's some really cool creature design in there as far as this Larry character goes. And there's some neat set pieces that play into the jumps. And, it, and it's produced by Amblin. So it has this kind of like, okay, it's like a scarier E.T. type of thing or a scarier whatever number of Amblin movies you want to make note of. Um, I just, once again, doesn't quite come together. All these movies are not coming together for me. Like it, it has so many good intriguing ideas and visuals and direction. Like there's some neat stuff, good performances, but I just wish they like hit stronger on completing their story. Um, the last one though, that I'll get into a little bit more is his house, which is on Netflix. Now, uh, Run's this is about... house. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not what you wanted me to do. Okay. You got me. Um, but it involves uh, two two Sudanese refugees. Um, one of them played by Woon Mi Mosaku, who's on a, who's on Lovecraft Country this past season. Um, a husband and wife. They they move to England. Uh, you know, they're refugees. They get to England. They get a they get a house. They're part of a housing complex. But they so along this travel, they lost a child in their you know refugee travels to get away from where they were. 
um, and the grief is still getting at them. So when they move into this house, whether the house is actually a lot of haunted this week, whether the house is actually haunted or it's just their own demons coming out within them, they start having visions and seeing things within the house that they're staying in, leading to things like the the husband bull. Uh, he starts ripping down the wallpaper because he keeps think, see, thinking he's seeing things behind the walls. Um, the the wife is like like getting lost in her apartment complex, like what trying to like walk to like the local store, and she keeps getting like in a labyrinth circle. Like it's just weird things are going on that kind of messes with their minds. And I think the film is quite effective. It, it it's pretty quick. Um, it has some good imagery. It plays, I mean, we, we've been talking about, you know, with bad hair, like the idea of like having a, you know, a central theme to go after in addition to the horror elements. I think this one actually does that well. It, it gives you this concept of people that are dealing with, you know, trauma and what have you, let alone their circumstances and bringing them into a new environment to deal with that while also delivering on the horror aspect as well. So like a movie has its share, you know, a good number of like creepy moments or what have you, while also making it all feel very character based. Um, so that it's a good one. I, I enjoyed it overall. I, I, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't call it great, but I certainly think it's worth checking out on, on Netflix right now. So that, yeah, that was a good one. See, so yeah, I ran through a bunch of those there. So, yeah. <laughs> it's good. um, all right. Uh, well, yeah, we've, we've, we've covered a lot here. I want to not forget this. So I'm going to do this now. I, I asked one, I got a little bit out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast. We asked a number of questions. We asked one this week, um, specifically related to Proxima. It is, who is your favorite cinematic astronaut? Oh, and we got, we got We got a few answers here. Uh, Chris writes, Sam Neill from Event Horizon, Matt Damon from The Martian, <laughs> Sandra Bullock from Gravity, Ripley, and Buzz Lightyear because he rocks. Uh, Dennis has... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Ripley really an astronaut? She's in space. I, mean, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. From a scientific level, no, she's not out there for space operations. She's okay. basically a, she's basically a space trucker or a space miner. Gotcha. <laughs> but regardless, I mean, as far as cinematic characters whose roles all take place interstellar, um, that's the that's the basis there. Okay. I guess. Uh, Dennis writes Sam Rockwell. And Matt Damon, both times. So I guess mm. what Moon and what's the other Sam Rockwell that I'm not thinking of? Galaxy uh, Quest. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, uh. And then Matt Damon in The Martian, and of course everybody's favorite character from Interstellar. Um, let's see. Jim, Jim Dietz has friend of the show writes uh, the cast of the right stuff, the movie that Terrence hasn't seen, um, and Karen uh, Delia. Watching the show, and the show is delightful. <laughs> I have to say. On yeah, well, well the film is one of the best of its kind. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Kier D'Elia from Some 2001, say. The Space Odyssey. Some as in anybody that's seen the rest of it. Um, <laughs> Anne Hathaway from, I assume, Interstellar, once again. Anne Hathaway. Uh, Gene Hackman from... Rose and Bums. What, spa- what astronaut yeah, movie know, is I'm Gene Yeah, I'm trying Hackman? to like, think of a space movie that he was in. And then he has uh, Sigourney Weaver. What's Gene... Now i got to look this up. Gene Hackman. <laughs> what space movie did he do? He probably was in a... I can't even see him doing genre. Like, what has he done in space? What, Superman? No. Can't, Superman? You can't see the man who played Lex Luthor doing genre material. I, I, it escaped my mind for a second. I'm, trying, sorry, I'm sorry I'm thinking of 60 Gene Hackman movies all at once. So give me a second. <laughs> what space movie did he do? Is this something really Maroon. obvious? There's a movie Maroon. called Maroon. 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 You found it? Starring Gregory Peck, Richard... Krenna, David Jansen, J. 
James Franciscus and Gene Hackman about three astronauts who are trapped and slowly suffocating in space. Oh. John Sturge's film. And his name is Buzz. Jay Sturge? Yeah, Jay Sturge. That's what we that's what we call him. Oh my gosh. I gotta check this out. Gregory Peck is the lead. Four months after the Apollo eleven moon landing. Yeah, I see that now too. (laughs) (laughs) Lee Grant? A lot of people in this movie. Hmm. I don't know, Maroon. I gotta check this out now. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Jim. You guys have favorite cinematic astronauts? Uh, yeah, sure. Lewis Gossett Jr. and uh, and uh, Dennis Quaid. Enemy of mine. <laughs> I love that about your choice. <laughs> Interesting. He uh, learns um, to love the enemy. That's so out of the blue for you. <laughs> enemy of mine is your choice. <laughs> are they not astronauts? They are. It's just such a fun choice. Uh, Brad Pitt and Ad Astra. It's a great performance. Um, a really, really phenomenal performance. Uh, as much as I love space things, I'm like, who gave a great astronaut performance? It's such a a strange <laughs> question Rob, to consider. Robbie, Robbie Pats in a High Life. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, sure. I like High Life a lot. <laughs> I, I I can see that on the poster right now. Ugh. Terrence Johnson. <laughs> Uh, 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 Chuck in uh, Planet of the Apes. Chuck, yeah. Yeah, Chuck. <laughs> That's true. Yes, yeah. Chucky. Chucky, that, yeah. Chucky. Right. I'll give some love to Maddie Ice in Interstellar. <laughs> Maddie Ice. Um, Maddie McConaughey. Yeah. Do I think the movie is good? No. Do I think he was good in it? Yes. Yeah. Second runner up by, by Case, right? The robot. The, ro- the robot. Yeah. <laughs> and and Matt, Damon, Matt Damon is... Do we think The Martian is like the quintessential Matt Damon performance? I mean, the I think... Quintessential it, one? I, I yeah, think if, like, you, if, you, if you can pinpoint the qualities that make Matt Damon a very likable and very solid actor, you can look at uh-huh. The Martian as a key example of that. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that or or just Goodwill Hunting. I mean, yeah, that's I mean that's another. They work. They they they, they kind of define what you get out of Matt. Damon. I mean, I, with Goodwill Hunting, at least there's like there's a little more complexity there because of just the nature of the character. I think The Martian is that's the kind of role where you see him making it look easy, even though it's not easy to do that to be the yeah. one guy on screen. I mean, like, yeah, as like movie actor Matt Damon, like why he's a movie actor? Yeah, probably The Martian. It's like, oh yeah, this guy. There's all the obviously like the Bourne stuff before, but yeah, where if you were to say like what's a movie where you can watch Matt Damon, be like, like yeah, he's got charm, he's got smarts, and he can lead the entire movie, probably The Martian, because it's just him and like a huge cast of other people on Earth too. But true, yeah, yeah, the movie it's a stacked cast in that movie. <laughs> yeah, Ben and Wong close second, but and then Don, Donald Glover as guy that holds Stateport to Jeff Daniels' face. And pours coffee into like uh, a trash bin with no trash liner. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sam Rockwell was mentioned, but I do really like Moon a lot, um, mm. so I'll just shout it out again. Yeah. And I mean, Houston, we had a problem. Tom Hanks was stuck out there with Bill Paxton and and, and the Baconator. So <laughs> I haven't had a Baconator in in years. So uh, yeah, no, I I really like Apollo 13. It's 
you know ron howard's best movie so i'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> go too far away from that it's it's great put it on right now and be like yeah that's fun that's, <laughs> they, got, they gotta get that square into that circle <laughs> this hose and this tape yeah all right well, that was feedback fellas? that was feedback uh, and with that, since we've covered so much, including a lot of rom-com talk that I was not expecting, uh, that's going to do it. <laughs> it is a good discussion. But that is going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can uh, find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodazit.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also on We Live Entertainment, writing movie reviews, Why So Blue for Blu-ray reviews, as well as upcoming 4K reviews, um, <laughs> now that this PS5 is coming out in the coming weeks. Nice. Um, and I'm on Variety doing uh, interviews every now and then as well. Abe? Remember, friends, up over my Instagram, abe.mua. And Twitter.com slash Wallersmoose, hashtag Chris Evans, Chris Pine. Uh, who's the other? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. That's the hashtag. Uh, Chris <laughs> Rock, Chris Messina. I mean, there's a lot of Chris. Chris Walken. Chris I mean, Zena. I haven't heard that name in years. That's weird because he's been in like five movies. He's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing a lot. I keep seeing him. I saw him in that Wolf Boy I just, movie I, I watched. I him like with the mini project. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's actually done a lot. He was in, <laughs> he was a, he was in a tiny little movie called Birds of Prey that came out this year. Yeah. I haven't Sands. heard of it. <laughs> Granted, this year started, you know, 25 years that ago. That feels so. so long ago. Honestly, I was like, Birds of Prey came out this year? <laughs> Parasite won Best Picture this year. <laughs> that was in February, right? Bong yeah. Joon-ho collected multiple Oscars and made them kiss on stage. Like, that's how long that's the right. show that was. That's a great one. Terrence that's what we Johnson. should do for, like, our, our Christmas episode. It's just like, remember what happened this year? <laughs> <laughs> Terrence Johnson, where can we find more of your work online? You can find me at LenoirTour.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Uh, you can also listen to the Ramblin' On podcast that me, my co-host, recently brought back. Uh, you can also find it there. And then I'm also on Twitter at Terrence B. Johnson. I'm, I'm now slowly easing myself back onto uh, that wretched hellscape uh, known as Twitter <laughs> from my uh, much-needed social media sabbatical. So, Welcome back. Yes, it it hasn't changed. Oh, I'm sure. But like, <laughs> it's like, I can't, I have to be mentally strong to deal with the, the hellscape. So it's like, <laughs> let me recharge the brain and then I could come back. You can find all the other episodes of Mountain Air with Internet on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnotpodcasts at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash outnotpodcast or twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, Instagram.com slash underscore podcast as well. Uh, Terrence Johnson, thank you very much for joining us today. Terrence, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. For sure. Glad to get in all the different movie chats that we can with you, and that's <laughs> going to do it for this week's show. Next week, we got some options, so we'll, we'll come back with you guys uh, next week with something more specific. Uh, but until then, until next time, so long. And goodbye.
grew this. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. Ken. What's a hoe? No. Whoa. They teach you that in school in Utah, huh, Al? What's a rake? A rake is right. I think it's very fun. It's called nerdcore hip-hop. It's Nerdcore hip-hop. Hip yes. People who identify as nerdy, rapping about the things they love, video games, science fiction, having a hard time meeting romantic partners, you know. It's really catchy and fun. Losers, in other words. Well. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Buy a chopper and have a doctor on speed dial, I guess, Mad City. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Young money militia, and I am the commissioner. You don't want to start wheezy, cause the F is for finisher. Panda panda, panda panda, panda panda, panda. They mad, they ain't famous. They mad, they still nameless. But we still hood famous. Yeah, we still hood famous. I was just getting into this rap thing. I'm not too good at it, but I was getting into it. Only half the size of Texas. It's the largest structure made by living creatures and can even be seen from space. What did you write down? What are those? <laughs> what is... What is you doing? What is you doing, baby? Is that what... Too live right now. What is you doing, baby? Well, I'm responding incorrectly. And I'm going to lose $1,000.